We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about I go ahead and address the larger than average elephant in the room? No, I have never coached the sport that you folks call football. And heck, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. <laughs> Hold on now. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. It is episode seven of our Ted Lasso rewatch. Joining me as always is my co-host, the managing editor for The Win, Alex McDaniel. Alex, how are your tear ducts tonight? Ready to work? Oh my God, this is going to be... We were So we were just saying before this started, like we forgot how emotional this was because you think about Make Rebecca Great Again and you're thinking about all the high points... And you forget about how low this brings you to. So let's just see what happens. I have a full mason jar of wine. So let's go. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. No, this episode, it really is. This one is a, a literal fucking roller coaster. You yeah. feel the highest highs and the lowest lows in this. It, it really is. This episode is everything that Ted Lasso, the show, does so well. Yes. And it, you know, like we've talked about it in previous episodes. Every episode we've done, I think, how... Yeah, okay, so Rebecca's technically <laughs> the bad guy <laughs> in terms of driving the story. Um, but you you just you really empathize with her or sympathize if you've been through it. And this episode really kind of brings all of that together. But it also doesn't ignore the other mini storylines that are happening, which I love, is they incorporate all these other subplots that are happening while also keeping the focus on Rebecca. It's very good. This one, I think more side characters, supporting characters get action in this one than almost any other episode. It's really interesting. Speaking of shows that do really good things, before we get into it, Alex, promote your other podcast. (laughs) How are we going to do it this week? Um, I'm on a podcast called Ain't Slayed Nobody. It's a role-playing game podcast where we pretend to be characters from the Old West and also there are monsters and you can listen to it on all platforms. And you can follow us at Ain't Slayed Nobody or Ain't Slayed. You can find us on Patreon. We're everywhere. So um, if you're into like horror stories and jokes, we are your people. 
Horror stories and jokes. Something for everyone there. We really got to pre-record this, man. I can't do it every week. <laughs> Just something I can <laughs> plug in. Uh, and if you're a baseball fan, go check out From Phenom to the Farm. That's brought to you by Baseball America. It comes at you every other Tuesday. Tomorrow, I am releasing a super cut of past episodes. Guys just talking about their worst minor league bus ride stories. So that's a lot of buses breaking down. AC is not working. Uh, a great story about guys whose bus was so hot that their their sandwiches melted and it just a lot of gross stuff. So oh, no. if, if you're into that stuff, uh, by all means, check out From Phenom to the Farm. But we are here to talk about Ted Lasso, Episode 7, Make Rebecca Great Again. Rebecca deals with her anniversary blues. Ted signs papers and has a small breakdown. That, I, I would have worded this summary differently if I were IMDb. <laughs> and an old friend of Rebecca introduces herself to Ted. Um, Alex, this one, like, it's a roller coaster. It's emotional. It's everything this show does well. I I didn't prepare you for this. Where, upon rewatch, upon, like, this is what, rewatch 30 for you? Yeah. As far as <laughs> the, as far as the, I'm not going to ask you to rank it among the Ted Lasso episodes, but as far as how emotional this gets, where this is probably top three in the season, top, maybe top two. 100%. I would say this is my second favorite episode um, compared to, what was it, episode three that I said was my favorite? Was that the Trent Krim? Yes, episode? Trent Krim, the independent. Yeah, I would say this is my second favorite episode, and I don't count finales as episodes in the ranking, because usually, like, if they're good, they're great, right? So I don't really count them in my ranking, but... Um, yeah. And I think it's more of a personal thing. I mean, I think you could be anybody and find this very emotional because it really covers, it covers like detachment and abandonment in so many ways that if you've ever been through any sort of separation with anyone in your life under any circumstances, you get very emotional about this. And also, there's so much in this episode, like maybe someone hasn't been in the Ted position or the Rebecca position in this one. Maybe you've been in the Nate position, really speaking up for, you know, for the first time in your life and, and taking a, a next step in confidence. It's it's a great episode for a lot of people. I am going to give the floor to you as far as opening questions because I picked two. I'd imagine <laughs> that one of mine might be one of yours. So I'm I'm ceding the floor to you. It's possible. So here's my question, and usually I go broad, but I want to be very specific because it ta it's taken me a lot of rewatches to get here. And I think it's because we're in anticipation of the next season and what the storyline could be. Why did Ted's wife need those divorce papers signed so damn quickly that she couldn't even wait until the game was over? Wildly insensitive move by Michelle Lasso. I'm that's actually very curious. That's a very curious thing of like we need these signed right now. Like what is yeah, what's what's like the legal impetus for that? Like why why so quick? I don't understand it. And especially since we've just made peace with the fact that, you know, he's going through a divorce. This isn't like a a quickie annulment. These people have a child together. And I'm not, look, this is not me accusing any, like everybody goes through their own things. This is truly from just like a TV perspective because you got to look at the story as every piece means something, right? I just don't understand the urgency, especially when they're about to play a team they haven't beaten in 60 years, where like the lawyer's emailing him, she's texting, sorry to be a pest, like you need to get these signed. Why? Why do we need these signs so quickly? I just, I need to know, and I'm so fearful that we're going to find out something in season two, like maybe she already had somebody on the side. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to like speak ill of Michelle. I'm just saying 
this to me is a huge glaring like why 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 would we do this to ted when he's in the middle of the season he's still trying to do well as a coach why would we do it to him really hoping there's not an episode next season titled michelle's hot new boyfriend but yeah i mean it (laughs) Especially with like Ted is Ted is in England, so it's not as though they have to settle. You know, hey, we we need we need to sign this because we need to have our weekends in custody and spousal support set up. Like no one's going anywhere. Yeah. So it's it's very strange, very strange. I will say that was not one of my questions. That was not something that I uh, that okay. I picked up. There we go. Mine and and this, I guess this is just going to kind of be a warm up to the theme of this episode. What is your favorite cry movie? Is it The Iron Giant? <gasps> My favorite cry movie is Steel Magnolias. Like, I saw... You got that one right off the top of the Yes, dome. because I recently rewatched it, and I've watched this movie since I was probably seven or eight. I sob through 75% of that movie every time. And, like, it doesn't matter how many times I watch it. It doesn't matter how many times I tell myself these are actors. <laughs> They're okay. I, I mean, I ugly cry. And I actually live-tweeted it maybe three or four weeks ago because I was like hey let's just turn on Steel Magnolias that's fun and southern and I forgot how upset it makes me and I was just sobbing the whole time and tweeting through it it was not my best moment that's great news I was about to turn this into a Steel Magnolias rewatch pod so that's (laughs) that's huge it's great to know (laughs) great to know yeah I mean I I did some thinking myself i Four movies for me jump out, and they're all weird, and some of them are hyper niche, and they're kind of different cries. Uh, one of them is about time, which is yes. um, Damo. That, that you know the scene then, yes. If you've seen about time, the uh, the uh-huh. last scene with the spot, that one gets me. Um, this one is something that is on TV. All have you seen Gifted? I don't think so. It is no. the movie where Chris Evans plays an uncle who is taking who has like custody of his his small niece and it's on FX it's on TV all the time and there's a scene in that that kills me uh the scene in Toy Story 2 when Jesse is singing the song yes. in all time and then uh the end of the movie AI artificial intelligence which I think about once a month and it makes me deeply sad. <laughs> This is the saddest question. It is. It is. No, I, I went down a rabbit hole. Well, I, I, I really did. Now, the, so P.S. I Love You is another one that makes me sob. Um, it, it's with Hilary Swank and Gerard Butler, and you know there are no spoilers. This came out a million years ago, but he dies of a brain tumor, I think, very early in the movie, and the whole movie is about her trying to get over him and live her life. I was. I am always a mess. I try not to watch that one too much. And Benjamin Button. Oh. For what, oh. When he turns, when he becomes the baby, yes, when he becomes the baby, <laughs> it's, it's oh. weird, but like it's also so sad. Yeah, when she, well, especially like when she's called about him and he's like twelve, but he has yes. dementia. Oh, it's it's so awful. It just oh tears my heart apart. Can't can't do of, it. A lot of sad movies. A lot of sad movies <laughs> out there. I okay. I got another question. I'm gonna pick us out of this funk. What's your go to karaoke song? Oh God. Um. Oh, there are so many. Uh, Crazy by Patsy Cline. Okay. That's a good one. That's my one. Yeah, I've done... So my dad was a, a country singer back in Texas. So I was born in Fort Worth and raised in Dallas. And he had like a, a real job, a day job. But he would perform on the weekends. So I kind of grew up in bars secretly. And I come from a musical family. And we were singers and we were instrumentalists and everything. And so I love a good karaoke bar. And I love a good Patsy Cline song. And I I do it completely sober, too. This isn't like Tequila Alex. Who, if it's Tequila Alex, it's going to be Dancing Queen by ABBA. <laughs> also a good one. 
<laughs> but if it's like sober or just like one mason jar of wine, Alex, it's, it's Patsy Cline. It's crazy. I'm sure you are a much more skilled karaoke performer than I. I don't know that about is, that. that. Don't is give not, me too much not credit. Not my yet. specialty. Not my specialty. <laughs> I will say now that the world has reopened. I obviously I haven't been to karaoke in a very long time. But what I would like to see in karaoke, and I, I know you know the it was a TikTok, but it went around on Twitter like crazy. The TikTok that some some guy, some British guy, put out of uh yes. me singing truly like the the lad <laughs> singing madly, truly deeply. madly deeply i need that moment to happen at some point to me i hope that just because of the way that you know the lasso riders room has like invoked just like the uh, what i can't talk right now has has taken wonderful cultural references and applied it to the show just like we were talking about last week i really hope they find a way to like insert that somehow <laughs> <laughs> that would the be show next wonderful. season. That would be so cool. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Well, let's let's roll into best scene. Um the opener of this one, Ted gets his divorce papers, Rebecca gets an email about her anniversary, and I'm ready to get hurt. <laughs> I'm ready to cry. <laughs> no, yeah. And she's check oh, she's checking her email and it's the anniversary and She's just been so beaten down by this point, right? And she is like, it's just sad. It's sad every time we go back to Rebecca because she's looking at a tabloid or she's reading something. And just last week, you know, we dealt with a curse where she finally tried to let that go, so to speak. Uh, That'll be funny later. And (laughs) um, so you have like her anniversary and then we go to Ted and he's talking to his son via FaceTime and it's very sweet and his son's like, mama's got to talk to you. I said mama because I'm Southern. Um, and she comes on, she's like, hey, about those divorce papers. And then Also he's got- like, hey, that could be a, that could be a text. Um, yeah, we don't need to necessarily say that with a son presumably still in the room. And so he, and he's already got them. Nothing's really amiss yet at first. And I think this is why I didn't, it didn't really stand out to me for so long. Because you're like, okay, we know they're going through a divorce. That isn't unusual to file whatever. But it's still, like, you can tell, very sad to the point that when it's time for him to do his job, he's not even aware that the team has not beaten (laughs) the other team in 60 years, which is kind of insane. Which I love that, too, because it's it's kind of an authentic sports thing they pull in because getting being beat before the game starts is a real thing. Yeah, and that team until until Nate comes through, that team is is straight up beat. The best thing about that scene, the sixty year streak of losing at Everton, is Coach Beard writing torn butt on the whiteboard. I love the whole just butt scene because it's such a, it's just boys, you know. And I think it's just from like raising a young son, and I didn't grow up around boys in terms of like I had sisters, you know. Even our our pets were girls growing up so I didn't have a lot but it's just such an immature silly stupid funny scene he's like you tore your butt it's fine it's fine it's okay your what does he say like your butt will heal god is my witness your butt will heal and uh he's calling the the goalie zorro the new french french canadian goalie zorro <laughs> I love it it's so good yeah and, and it's funny because obviously they're setting this up they're all getting ready for this trip to liverpool so you have these two dynamics of the team, obviously, they're already beat, like you said. And then you have the dynamic of Rebecca. And then Keely comes in, and she's really excited. She's like, yeah, we're going to have a great weekend in Liverpool. Thanks for inviting me. So you can tell we're getting set up for, like, a at least a, a signature episode of some sort of 
party weekend or at least like they're getting a break. They're all traveling. They're, you know, it's supposed to be sort of an exciting weekend. And we should mention that everyone is traveling except for Higgins, who I guess Rebecca <laughs> is still still holding out a little bit of animosity for, for being Team Ted at the end of last episode. And the, the thing with the whole... The whole setup pre-trip and and Ted getting his divorce papers and Rebecca dealing with his anniversary is we kind of got a one episode reprieve of anything that really hurts that deeply. Yeah. So it's like they throw you right back in. It's like, wait, motherfuckers, we didn't forget about this. Like, yeah. you're, you're going to be sad. <laughs> Ted had his heart shattered, by the way. Here are the papers to prove it. <laughs> like, it is so, so, so sad. And we can't forget uh, poor Nate getting stuck poor on the bus. Nate. I know. Nate, just he's just trying so hard and then he's loading the luggage on the bus and he's like oh you know he's complaining because nobody knows how to do anything right of course except for Nate and then he ends up getting stuck on it and they close the door it's very fitting for him though but of course Ted noticed that Nate wasn't on that bus exactly so you have the shining Ted hero moment again that of course he always thinks of Nate of course. So we get to the hotel and then we get a lady gang together. We we have Keely and Rebecca in the same room uh, where they Keely Beautiful we we, suite. Dis- we discover Keely's uh, promo for the hotel. Should I get the concierge to make us a reservation somewhere tonight? Shipley's Steakhouse is unmatched in its cuisine and ambiance. Mm, is it now? Cool, I can do steak. Uh, yes, the steakhouse for two, please. Does 8 p.m. work for you? The business center is open 24 hours a day. Okay. What was that about the business Guests center? Guests also have access to our state-of-the-art gym, filled with the latest in workout technology, like kettlebells. Oh my Liverpool God. has much to offer when it comes to nightlife, from pubs and clubs to the great Asian pastime of karaoke. Yeah, that she's the woman you see on the TV when you like turn it on, and she's telling you about all the wonderful attractions and the steakhouse and the hotel and you know the lovely sights in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. It's great. Even before Sassy shows up, it's a great bonding moment and a, and a great companionship moment with Keely and Rebecca, because at first when Rebecca finally breaks down and says, it's it's my anniversary, Keely just gives her a hug. It's just pure human instinct. Like yep. Sometimes words just, just don't work. What? You would have spent a cash tip in like a minute. Come on, the image I just gave him is going to last for a lifetime. No, it's, it's not you. It's... Fuck, this is Rupert's my anniversary weekend, and it's the first one I've spent by myself. Thank you. Ooh, that's a long hug. Yeah, and I think, again, I bring up feminism a lot on this show and just connection between women, but I do think Keely and Rebecca illuminate this kind of dynamic so well because even though they don't know each other terribly terribly well because they're such forward-facing figures and because they're kind of like the famous for being almost famous category Keely knows what she's been through Keely knows that she's still going through and she just immediately grabs her because she doesn't know what else to do and I think like that is such a powerful moment and it's small and they don't do this big swell of music or anything but it's it's the humanized part of all of it where we've all been there where you you're just like, you're not about to break down. You're not about to cry, but something really bad's going on. And somebody just kind of pulls you to them and says like, I'm here with you with this, like, no matter what happens, I'm going to be with you. I think it's very sweet. 
And Rebecca pays that right back because Keely is clearly the, the hotel promo that she does not remember. <laughs> she's clearly she's clearly embarrassed about it. She's clearly processing in her head that every single person in this hotel, including the entire team, is going to see this. And Rebecca right away knows to move on from Keely's promo thing and tells her, we're going to forget about this. Yeah, I mean, moving on is the entire theme of this episode, even though it's about Rebecca in title and theme. For every character... Everybody, every you know character that we've followed through the series, at least, every character has an element of either you need to own up to what you've done and move on from it, or you need to just accept what life has given you and move on from it. We're not going to wallow anymore, and we're not going to make excuses anymore. We have to move forward. And again, the writers just did an incredible job with that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not only about moving on, it's about reconnecting. That's when Sassy shows up. And that's the thing, especially for me, that strikes the biggest chord in this episode is something that's that's very raw, very authentic, in that when you are in a, you know, really a terrible relationship like Rebecca was in for five years, and you you go in that hole, and when when that ends, you do come out and you do realize, and this is something that I can firsthand experience like it you do realize that you you lose connection with people around the way that you, that you were in a hole and you have to start trying to rebuild friendships or past relationships that you let either fall by the wayside or because of the how toxic the situation that you were in that that those people disconnected from you purposely and it's this whole thing it's it's not a one-off for Rebecca either. I can't imagine that Sassy was the only person who was by her side five years ago who is not now. But it's a it's a very, very realistic portrayal of what it is like coming out of a very toxic relationship. And it's also a realistic portrayal of what true friendship is like in terms of Sassy showed up without telling Rebecca because she knew it was their anniversary weekend. She knew Rebecca would be hurting. And even though we find out you know, throughout the episode that Rebecca hasn't really been there for her, for Sassy or her daughter. And they've clearly like lost that connection. Sassy showed up for her and just said, I'm here. Um, and it's, it's so realistic. I mean, I'm, I was telling Kyle this before we started. What's so funny about this. And I can't believe it didn't hit me until just now. Like I'm going to Dallas this weekend um, for a few reasons, kind of just like a little vacay. It's sort of a make Alex great again weekend, but I'm going to see my childhood best friend. He and I, I know for a fact, will see each other and we will not do the whole, well, catch me up on your life thing, even though we have lost connection over the past 10 years. We have, like, we don't, we're not able to keep up with each other as well as we used to. But I know when we're together in the same room, it's going to be like it was 10 years ago. And that is the power of having a friend like that who has kind of seen you at your worst moments when she calls her stinky. Like, you can tell this is a lifelong friendship. And the power of that kind of relationship where no matter what damage has been done to it, it it's still reparable. Like, I think that is so authentic and it's something that a lot of us have been through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but one thing about Sassy showing up is she didn't show up to be a shoulder to cry on and to sit in bed and watch Steel Magnolias. She showed up to, to get after it. Sassy yeah. has quite a run in this episode. She does. I mean, she clearly, they make it very clear that they're not done with her in this episode, I think, because she shows up in kind of the same attitude that Keely has in terms of like, we have an opportunity this weekend. At first, it's just to have some casual fun. Like, what does Rebecca say? Let's get drunk and eat and have a great time and, like, watch the game, whatever. Um, 
but yeah, it's not about I'm here for you to wallow. It's I'm here to help you finally realize who you were again. Like it, it's not enough that you're out of the toxic situation. You need to remember who you were before you even got in it. Well, speaking of someone who's wallowing, uh, <laughs> the, the next scene up, um, Ted drinking and and getting divorced. It is the first time all season that Ted has had messy hair. The first time he's truly lost his temper on poor Nate of all people. And it just, life struggles can get the best of, the best of us, can get the best of Ted Lasso. Um, I think, I know, I'm sure you and I have both done this, but like sometimes you lash out at people absolutely don't deserve it. Sometimes you just let a really hard time get to you in the worst ways. And it's, it's jarring for us as viewers because Ted has almost has been almost unflappable this entire season. We've seen him sad, but we haven't seen him out of control. And this is a, this is cl- pretty close to out of control. Yeah, and you know, again, you have Michelle sending him the text, knowing he's out of town, knowing they've got a game. Sorry to be a pest. Knowing he's got to find a fax machine in the year exactly. 2020. Exactly. When you're on another continent. Sorry to be a pest, but can you handle it? I really need you to get it handled. And, you know, he kind of comes out of his positive Ted Lasso state, and he's like, I got to I gotta take care of something. And, like, you see the the mini bottles in his room, and that, that made me just so sad because you don't you don't even see outside of like a, a pint at the pub you know you don't see him as a, a drinker and you can tell this isn't for drinking this is for coping this is self-medicating himself and he's disheveled and um you know just trying to come to terms with the fact that he's got to both do his job and end his marriage and and change his like kind of sever those family ties in a weird way um you know, and it's just, it's so sad. And I, I think it's so funny that the first time he sees Sassy is when he's at the, um, what is it, the concierge and asking, you know, do you have a fax machine? <laughs> and she's like, she's right there and they have their little meat cute. Um, and shout out to the concierge for, <laughs> for hitting on Sassy. <laughs> for hitting on Sassy. Yeah. Um, you can always, sometimes in episodes of Ted Lasso, you can identify yourself in characters and in people. And in that moment, I, I, I saw a lot of myself in the concierge. It's like, oh, right. No, never mind. Why would you? Yeah. Why would you? You're, you're obviously beautiful and not, would never go for someone like me. That's fine. Um, yeah. I mean, I still, again, the urgency really bothers me, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but I just the only reason I keep bringing it up is I really think we're going to find out why in season two. Maybe we don't, and maybe it's just one of those quirky things that they needed to push the story forward somehow. And they needed- what if she's dating Rupert? Oh, come on. That's, or Jamie Tart. What if she connected with Jamie it. Tart while she was Jamie in Tart's going to Kansas <laughs> to hook up with Ted's ex. That's the big scandal of season two. I, don't, I would... I don't know. I'd ship it. It'd be, <laughs> it would be fine. I mean, you know what? Like, Michelle had a hard divorce, too. This hasn't been easy. And yes, she's being way too pushy with the uh, divorce papers. But, like, maybe she needs a dumb 20-year-old soccer player to make her happy for a little bit. But Sure. But that isn't, again, they've already agreed to divorce. I don't think there's anything wrong with letting him finish this season for god's sake like he just moved across the world to try to save things finds out it's irreparable i just it's gonna bug me i'm telling you it's gonna be one of those things i can't let go of and people in my life 
like they already do when I bring up Ted Lasso are like, you've got to get a grip. You have to, <laughs> you have to stop talking about this all the time. Um, but so they don't have a fax machine. And here's what I love is like my, I think when I first watched this, my first thought was, um, why can't he just take photos of the documents? That's what we all do now. <laughs> we all just take photos. Get the, the scan app. Yeah, the scan app. You can make them into PDFs like every, I don't understand. And so, yeah, and like with the email from the lawyer, which I think that may come later. I can't remember now. I've got my divorce scenes out of order, but... Yeah, we get we get two of them. Yeah, I just... You really feel for Ted because now, even though you feel like he's accepted it, I mean, obviously, he let her go. We, we made that clear two episodes ago. But now it's official. You've got to sign your name to the decision. And for him, it's it's messing with him in a way that you can tell hasn't happened before because this is a guy who's totally founded his entire existence and personality on being upbeat and curious and not judgmental and optimistic. And he's going through the shittiest time of his life. Yeah. And he, he takes it out on poor Nate. So you can imagine what that whole night was like for Nate, who is Ted has probably been his biggest supporter in, you know, in his professional life. Yes. Um, But okay. So the next day, the next scene, Nate's pep talk, like it's so it starts out so it's so precious because the players are motivating him to start. And what a turn that is. What an arc <laughs> that is from earlier in the season when they're picking on Nate for fun. But the burns Nate has are amazing. It is a it's a wonderful, wonderful pep talk. Come on, boy. You got this here, right? You got this, Nate. It's okay. Okay. Thank you. Let's do that. <clears throat> Isaac. Hmm? Oh, yeah, 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 you got this, brother, right? <laughs> yeah. I've noticed of late. that you've been playing like a big dumb pussy. Oh. Wow. What the fuck do you say to me, bruv? You're more concerned about looking tough than actually being tough. There's a way to be intimidating without being physical. I hope you don't mind me saying. Um, Sam. Oh, no. You're constantly getting beat on the wings. It's because you're indecisive. You second-guess more than a shitty psychic. (laughs) The only African I know more imprisoned by their own thoughts is goddamn Nelson Mandela. (laughs) Well, you notice just the dynamic on the team anyway has changed without Jamie. And, which is a great thing. Like, obviously there are issues around the fact that they lost one of their aces. But you can tell even what we were talking about earlier with the scene about the dude who tore his butt. (laughs) The dynamic has changed where they all feel safe to laugh and safe to support each other. So yeah, they're all like, all right, Nate, little Nate, what do you, what, you got notes for us, bud? And then he just destroys them in a way that we can't even repeat. Like, it was yeah. vulgar. Yeah, so many, so many good burns. And then it, it culminates, the, the moment with Roy is stunning. Imagine, yes. imagine episode one, Nate, saying those things to Roy. It's so on the nose and it's, Sometimes brutal honesty, brutal, well-intentioned honesty does the trick. And Roy goes and tears a bench off and they go win. It's great. It's, yeah, it's incredible. It's it's the most, up to this point, it's the most classic, like, sports storyline we see in terms of the, you know, the pep talk that encourages everybody and they go out there and win. They find their inner strength or their inner anger. But it doesn't come from Ted. It comes from Nate. <laughs> I love that. And I think it's so good and sets him up 
not only as a character on the show, but also for the next season. And and he does. He obliterates them. Like, the whole line about the Brazilian just killed me. <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe Nate, little precious Nate, who's actually 41, but on the show he's like... 41-year-old little tiny baby angel precious Nate. <laughs> just lying there in a manger. <laughs> Eight pounds, six ounce. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I love that scene. And Roy just has a fantastic episode. But for a moment, you think he's going to, like, beat his ass. And you realize, like, he's completely listened to Nate and he's channeling his anger maybe toward him a little bit. But Nate has the ability to get these guys to focus. And he, you certainly get the feeling like he knows the team better than anybody else does, certainly better than Ted and Coach Beard. Like, he's the one who's able to tap into the things that will make them mad enough to go out there and try to win. And the team also knows that Nate knows them well enough that it, and also yes. is so timid that if Nate is going to say this and needs the encouragement to say this stuff, it really does mean something. Yeah, they know it's meaningful. They know it's not just, you know, lip service. And then it rolls right into the post game, and Roy <laughs> tells Keeley he's been thinking about her, which is huge. Uh, it's, as, it's as important as winning the game. It's so big first of all i love that we totally skip they, there's no game footage there's no like there's no big win we don't it's know like how they, they rolled won. out of the locker room <laughs> went to the makeup chair put a bunch of like mud and stuff on him and sweat and then they brought him back in to shoot the rest of the scene in the locker room exactly like we have no idea who scored the winning goal <laughs> just we don't know we and do know that we do know do that we? it was a goal yeah they say a, a surprise goal by roy kent or something like that like an oh. unlikely goal by Roy Kent, so angry Roy went out there and scored a goal. Oh, that's awesome. See, I missed that because we didn't have any game footage. Not that we needed it. I just think it's so funny how um, the actual game is like so secondary to everything we love about this team. But Not to step on season two predictions, but I kind of wonder if we're going to get more of that in season two with more hype and maybe a little more budget behind it. It's kind of like how in Game of Thrones we didn't really get many dragons or white walkers kind of early in the show. And then by the end of it, they had all the budget in the world to just fuck oh, yeah. up completely with. Totally. I've never seen it, but I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> I believe just, that you are just correct. Trust, just trust me. Uh, early on, very few dragons. Later on, lots of dragons. Man, sounds like a great evolution of a show. <laughs> exactly. So Ted Lasso, probably going to go the same way. Early on, very little soccer. Late, lots of soccer. Yeah, well... You know, as we know, we don't really need to, to see the, the soccer. We really don't. This episode doesn't suffer at all for not actually seeing the game. I actually kind of love that it it basically we stay in the same place and it's it's yes. them celebrating and happy. We, we've already ridden this roller coaster with them. We don't really need to see them win. We don't need 90 minutes of soccer. Exactly. We don't need the tension of will they win or won't they? And that's what's so brilliant, again, about the way that they construct the story here is like, we're, we're on a high. We're on a slow building like, okay, things are getting better and they're better and they're better and we're worried about Ted, but they're better. <laughs> like We're going to keep that at front of mind. And if you throw a game in there, suddenly you have the tension of, well, they're not very good and they haven't beaten this team in 60 years, so are they going to win? Or it just wouldn't fit. It wouldn't fit. They had to go straight from the locker room into postgame where they're all obviously thrilled and they're like, what are we going to do? And Roy, who's feeling himself, is like, 
I've thought about you a lot this weekend, Keely. I mean, he doesn't say it like that, but I'm going to do my version, <laughs> my stupid American girl version. Of Roy. I mean, that's like that's Roy's version. That's his version of the Jerry Maguire "You yes. Complete Me" speech. That's as that's as romantic as it gets for Roy. Oh, I know. It's kind of like when Coach Beard gives a nod. How that means so much. It's like <laughs> for Roy, just to be honest about a single emotion is like, oh wow, you've been thinking about her, huh? And then they decide to go to the karaoke bar. And here's where things get real. None of you are going back to the hotel tonight because we did something today that no one thought we could do, including us. So we're going out, we're celebrating, and we're going to rub it in this city's fucking face! Yeah! <laughs> Roy, where are we going? Kaylee? <laughs> well, Liverpool has much to offer, from pubs to clubs to the great Asian pastime of... The karaoke bar is has reached it is on the Mount Rushmore of for me of scenes where I would love to see all the B-roll and all the cut footage they have. Like I need I tweeted Brandon Hunt about this. I need the full video of Coach Beer doing bad romance. I need the full video of Hannah Waddingham doing Let It Go, because holy shit. Okay, when I started watching the show, she was one of the main reasons I wanted to keep watching because I, like, I'm a musical theater nerd, and she's incredible, and she did, you know, spam a lot in the West End and in London, like, she's she's just had an incredible career, and I thought it was, and I knew she was on Game of Thrones, but I never watched that show, so. I was like, I had never seen her in an on-screen role Wait, before. was she on Game of Thrones? Yeah, she was like the, she was something. I'm Googling I, it right now. Google it. Yeah, she was. So I'll continue while you're Googling. And so for me to see her on screen was so big because I'm like, oh man. And then I was like, they will never find a reasonable excuse for her to sing in this show. Like there's never going to be, and that's so sad because her voice is tremendous. And that's all I could think about for the first few episodes is, yeah, it would make no sense for her to start singing. And boy, did they find the perfect way to force her to sing a song. And for her to sing Let It Go, it's just God. I mean, she's an amazing talent and has such an amazing voice. And I, she's a legend. And it's so amazing two, to watch two her. things there. Uh, this won't mean anything to you, but for all my Game of Thrones fans out there, she was Septa Unella, which is Hannah Waddingham is a gorgeous woman. And just not who in a million years who I thought she played. Wow. Who that is just, uh, I am having to, I'm having to process stuff. But anyways, um, I consider it a, when it, when a show has someone or when a show or a movie has someone with incredible pipes and it, it doesn't exploit that, it doesn't use that. It so I love how, did you see uncut gems? No, I didn't. I know, the, I know the plot if, behind it, If you're it, not into uh, tons of anxiety, it might not be for you. But I love Uncut Gems. Adina Menzel is in Uncut Gems, 
but she doesn't sing. And when I, I covered the movie on the podcast, it was like, there's really no reason for her to sing in this movie. It's not a movie that sings, but it's almost a crime to have a Dina Menzel on sure. screen and not let her let the pipes loose. Yeah. And so it's so great that they, they, you know, they found a way to, it's like a good coach, finding a way to utilize talents. But it's a really, it's a really fun scene to start out with, that, that karaoke scene, because I think it got, cuts right to Sam doing Wonderwall. Yes. Which I, I feel like probably the number one karaoke song in Great Britain has to be right. I mean, either that or Truly Madly Deeply. I don't know. Maybe Robbie Williams. Maybe a bunch of his hits are popular. We'd ha- yeah, we'd, we'd have to ask some people about that. So, it, <laughs> And then it also gets kind of Rebecca and Sassy kind of rebuilding, continuing to rebuild their relationship. Um, you know, we, we really already caught it that, you know, part of getting out of a terrible relationship building is rebuilding the friendships that that terrible relationship cost you. And they really start to, to move into that in this karaoke scene. What I thought was so compelling. So Rebecca and Sassy go out for a smoke or whatever. They walk outside the club and Sassy, you know, she has a young daughter. We find out earlier in the episode that she's a single mom now. And she says to Rebecca, you know, you made a six-year-old wonder what she had done wrong. Like, obviously, they used to be very close, and Rebecca was close to her daughter. And Rebecca says something, I'm totally paraphrasing here, but something to the effect of, like, I was trapped. I was just trapped in this relationship. And Sassy reminds her, like, did Rupert keep you locked away in this tower? Yes, but you walked every step of that tower by yourself. You're the one who walked up there, and you have to own up to your responsibility for that. And I thought that was so powerful because... Not that, you know, I think it, we need to constantly like throw shit at Rebecca or anything like that. I think for all of us, you can be both the victim and the villain and the hero. Or I shouldn't have said both. You could be all the victim and the villain and the hero in, in all situations. And it's not as simple, especially with relationships. It's rarely as simple as like you were the victim and they were the villain. Um, in terms of toxic relationships like obviously i'm not talking about more serious situations where we have like actual victims but in her situation like she's saying you entered that you wanted to be married to him you stayed married to him you were the one who separated from us we didn't separate from you and it's it's good it forces rebecca to kind of grow up a little bit and say this isn't a game like these are people's lives and i know that your whole focus now is revenge on rupert for what he's done to you, but like you hurt me and you hurt my daughter and you need to own up to that. And I think it's very, it's powerful and it's a responsible message. And it's what really turns the tide with Rebecca because Ted has this panic attack while Rebecca's singing, let it go. And Rebecca is the one who's there for him. Yep. Which a few episodes ago, absolutely would not, you know, she would not have been Ted was there for her. It's, it's the great bookend of Ted was there for her. Um, after the, uh, the, you know, the fundraiser and then yep. Re- Rebecca is there for him. Rebecca is the only one who notices like not even beard, not even beard was out there. Beard was too busy. Just ripping it up on bad romance. And he was, he was also like amazed by Rebecca's voice. His face is just so shocked. I think the way this show does, parallel scenes like that is very good we had a i can't remember who it was but somebody mentioned a few days ago um on the episode we did about when ted's wife came to town they divorced the parallel between when he tells her 
we randomly met in that parking lot and they immediately go to a parking lot where Keely and Roy are, are having like a little flirty scene. This show does that so well. And you have almost the same scene. They're standing outside an event again. And the thing is, we don't know if she finished the song or not. We assume she didn't. Like, that's my assumption anyway. The way that the pacing of the scene goes, like, I assume she, like, sees him leave and, like, ends it really quickly. Maybe not, because nobody really reacts, but who knows. But she's the one there for him. And it is one of the most accurate portrayals of a panic attack I've ever seen on TV. And a lot of people have said that. And I know that panic attacks are different for everybody. But his hands like that makes me cry immediately because I know when I've had I have terrible anxiety but when I've had panic attacks I notice the corners of my mouth get very tense to where I feel like I can't talk and my hands start to claw like that they start to clam up where I feel like I can't bend them and I remember the first time I watched that like I lost it it was wailing because you see panic attacks on TV and the most they do is like tunnel vision oh no you know it's like I'm having a panic attack and I think that leads to a a stigma where a lot of people don't take it seriously. They think you're just kind of not having a fun moment. It is a physically incapacitating experience. I don't know if you've had a panic attack before, Kyle, so I don't want to assume, but like I've never seen anything like that on TV that captured it so well. And at that point as a first-time watcher, we're legitimately – we're very worried about Ted because we've seen him – very disheveled early in the episode. Now he's having a panic attack. And as a first time watcher, you don't know how the rest of the season is going to go. It's like, is this going to be a major plot point? Is our guy going to be okay? Is the, the eternal optimist going to be, going to be able to come out of this? And it starts with, you know, it's, it starts with Rebecca being right there with him. And that rolls into this incredible montage. It's the, the song playing in the background is called strange by Celeste. And it is beautiful and haunting. And it it gives us so much that it's it's uh, Keely telling Rebecca, I think I'm going to walk. And there's Roy over there waiting for her, something that we've been waiting for yes. for a long time. They walk back to the hotel. It's it's Ted finally when he picks up the army man and signs then signs his divorce papers. And then he gets rewarded by the gods by Sassy just knocking on his hotel room. <laughs> Probably best case scenario, signing your divorce papers right there. Yeah. And we have, you know. Up to this point, Rebecca has always had somebody kind of at her side, whether it was Higgins, whether it was Keely, whether it was Ted, so or Sassy. And so here's the first point in the episode where she's like to Keely, she's like, you want to walk back to the hotel? And Keely's like, no, I, I think I'm going to walk with Roy. And Rebecca realizes she's on her own, and she accepts that, and she goes back to the hotel, and she makes eyes at the, you know, cute waiter, and we know what happens there. <laughs> And like, it's so good to see her thriving on her own. And that's kind of the whole point is, you know, there's a whole scene where Sassy says to Keely, the Rebecca, you know, is not Rebecca. The Rebecca I know is silly and she sings and she's fun and funny. And our goal needs to be to get her back there is essentially what she's trying to say. She doesn't say that exactly, but that's that's the sentiment. We see that come completely around toward the end where all of her friends who are there to support her they are suddenly doing their own thing and she's got to make it happen for herself and boy does she (laughs) boy she she does and she makes it happen sassy makes it happen we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But let's talk about Roy and Keeley. So Roy gives her the goodnight kiss and, and dips. It's not even a goodnight. Let's let's not reduce this to a goodnight kiss. Yeah, it's 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 an emotional. Uh, it's like a that's a that's a whole situation. Yeah, <laughs> but but Keely is turned off on it. But when I see that, I'm like, look at look at Roy. I feel good about that when I saw it. because like you think Roy has been a soccer star since he was you know like a teenager. Roy has not had trouble in his life walking into women's hotel rooms. Exactly, which is why she's so upset because they have this incredible passionate moment and it is passionate and it's sexy and it's wonderful. And it's like a mini Bridgerton in Ted Lasso. And then he just says goodnight and walks away. And Keely is devastated because anyone in that situation would be devastated because you think I did something wrong. Because it's so it looks like it's going to a certain point right they're standing outside the hotel room door it clearly looks like they're about to hook up and he just leaves he just leaves abruptly i would be oh i would be so devastated and mad and just i would not think that went well i would i would torture myself thinking what did i do wrong to make him go away and that's awful that she has to go through that i need a minute because i can't stop imagining ted lasso in the bridgerton universe (laughs) just what and just what he would be like I don't know if I want to think about it, but it's two, it's two wonderful shows that just, you know, never the twain shall meet. (laughs) We just don't even need to go there, but you know, and we, at this point, we know Roy's a weirdo in that sense. Like we know he's kind of hot and cold. We know deep down that he likes Keely, but he abruptly stops everything and leaves. And we don't know why at that point she doesn't like, she checks her breath. You know, she truly thinks she's done something wrong. And I think it's just so mean. And I realize that Roy's got his own issues and he didn't mean to be mean. And we'll cover that in the next episode. But it's a terrible thing to do to somebody to be so into them and then to suddenly say, all right, I'm out. Bye. See ya. That's I, I can see it from that perspective. Very, very rude. Yeah. So very rude. rude. And then the episode kind of ends on Ted's text. That text to Rebecca. I think that's when you know that she's she's come all the way back. Well, the the first time I watched it, yes, you do know that when she sees it, she suddenly realizes the horror of what she's done to this person in terms of, like, using him as a pawn. And I don't know, maybe maybe this is just me or maybe this is how they set it up. The first time I watched it, she's making eyes at the guy. Then she gets the text. Then he gets the knock at the door. I'm thinking she's at the door. Like, I didn't think it was sassy. I thought it was Rebecca the first time. Did you? 
I think I did. I, 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 yeah, I think I did. Which would have been a whole can of worms. Like what, you don't. That would have been. That <laughs> Biscuits been a with lot the boss that. would have taken on a brand new meaning. I'm very glad the show didn't go that direction. <laughs> very, very, very glad we have separation of boss and coach still. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alex, what's the best scene in this episode? Oh please, um, I... you can even pick a best moment because, like, you think about the. You could say the karaoke scene could be the best scene, but a million different things happen there. I know. I, you know again, like I think anybody who struggles with anxiety, um, there's a stigma behind it that it isn't real or that it's just being nervous or that it's just something normal. If you've suffered from chronic anxiety and if you've had panic attacks before, I think that scene where Ted's having the panic attack, the way they did it, it was so smart and it makes you feel so seen and so validated by what you try to explain to people who don't struggle with this. And, you know, luckily, like, for a lot of us who are lucky enough to have resources, mental health resources like therapy and um, psychiatry, there's ways to manage it. But the first time you have a panic attack and you don't know what it is, you have no idea what's happening to you, it's one of the scariest moments of your life. You feel like you're dying. You feel like your heart's about to stop. And it's not just being nervous. It's not just saying, oh, I'm really scared of this thing. It's a real problem. And to me, it's just so important to me that I think I I would love to know the research behind that scene. I would love to know the story behind it. I would love to know how Jason was directed to play it. You know, I would be so curious to know about that or maybe if Jason struggles with that himself and it it came naturally to him. But uh, I've just never seen anything like that on TV before. Um, and so to me, that was just the most powerful moment. It goes with everything else the show does and that it was, um, so well thought out. So nothing, nothing in the show is really ever glossed over. It seems like they take great care to make everything about this show work and feel real. Um, Yeah. Which, which is very much appreciated. I will, you so eloquently talked about that scene. I will just throw a shout to to Nate's pep talk, which is one yes. of my it's one of my favorite, more upbeat moments of the season, especially when Roy walks up and tells Nate, don't read it, say it to my face or whatever he says. It's it's wonderful. Right, Roy. Go on. Say what you're going to say. OK. Don't read it. Say it to my face. The great Roy Kent. You're old now. And slow. And your focus drifts. But your speed and your smarts were never what made you who you are. It's your anger. That's your superpower. That's what made you one of the best midfielders in the history of this league. But I haven't seen it on the pitch at all this season, Roy. I mean, you used to run like you were angry at the grass. And you'd kick the ball like you'd got it fucking your wife, Christ's sake. But that anger doesn't come out anymore when you play. But it's still in there. Yeah, and that's Roy, like, not trying to be an ass. That's Roy trying to tell him, okay, this is your moment. Like, you better make it count. And I yeah. think it's it's fantastic. I think there are a lot of moments in this show, or in this episode, rather, just like the prominence of Sassy, you can tell they're setting us up for the next season already. Cause we're in the, you know, we're in the last half now and that makes me sad because this thing's going to have to end soon. But I know, um, but we, we just got a new trailer recently. We did. We did get a new trailer. 
Thank God. We're, we're really, we're doing this podcast at the perfect time. We are. We are. Because it's the, oh man, the attention around the show is high. And just, you know, even on Monday, um, you know, they won a Peabody Award. The show won a Peabody Award for being, you know, the opposite of toxic masculinity. <laughs> I mean, the things that this show is doing for mental health, for you know, gender dynamics for everything else. It's just, it's incredible. I can't, I, I know that I gushed about it too much. I know that. I know I'm annoying. Nobody has to tell me. Twitter, by the way, you don't have to tell me I'm annoying. I know, but I can't stop. Well, with this one, it's so easy to say, like, this is one of the best things I've seen on TV in a long time. Like, it's almost legitimately perfect. Like, you know, there are lots of shows that are not for, you can't recommend Game of Thrones to everyone. You can't recommend True Clearly. Detective to everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You can't. Re- sure I, I love. I love the first season of True Detective. It's one of my favorite seasons of TV ever. That show is not for everyone. Yeah. This show, I feel like, is for everyone. If you don't like this show, y- you've got to unpack some things about yourself. <laughs> yeah, you must not like joy and happiness, and even feeling episodes like this, which is just a lot of. It's sadness, but it's also, you know, the moment where Ted signs the divorce papers and he looks at himself in the mirror and he kind of smiles a little bit, you can interpret that as a lot of things. I interpret it based on my own personal experiences of walking away from bad situations. When you look in the mirror and you still recognize yourself, when you can look in the mirror and say, I just got through something terrible, I just got through the worst time of my life or the worst moment of my life, I can still recognize myself when I look in the mirror and I think... Again, it ties into the theme of the show. Rebecca lost herself. Ted hasn't lost himself. He's lost an important part of his life, and he's going to learn how to rebuild it. But the fact that he can look up at the mirror and smile and say, hey, you're still there. Things are just different. I, it's just, it really sums up everything we love about this show. Yeah. What's the, what's the funniest one-liner under the radar joke oh in this God. episode? I didn't write this down, and so I'm having to... I've got a, cu- I've got a couple. You go um, for it, yeah. I mean, everything Nate says in the speech. Uh, <laughs> Incredible. The thing he says to Sam about Nelson Mandela... Like the only the only South African who's been more trapped in his thoughts or whatever he says is just is just stunning. It's uh, this is a very severe speech, and I'm curious about who wrote it because to me it's the only thing that makes me a little uncomfortable in terms of the tension you know behind it. Because before now we have a lot of kindness in the show; you don't have too many mean things. But I loved that there was something. Um, Coach Beard said toward the beginning of the show, and I can't, of course, I can't remember what it is, but they're really good, like, stacking the one-liners at the start of the show and making it very peppy and very, you know, snappy and and everything else, but um, I don't know. You could pick a million things. I also think the the concierge saying, of course you wouldn't, why would you want to do you want to do anything with me i was gonna I say the so concierge smart. has a few under the radar heaters when he's on the phone the i suggest flushing it again but harder yes uh, great quick commentary on what hotel service can be like sometimes and also he has that random one where he's like also let me know how the trial goes i know <laughs> and then what does he tell ted i i remember ted's response but he says we don't have a fax machine here but you can go to like such and such and use that there and he and ted says no i think i'll just go to the local manicurist and use a carrier pigeon <laughs> it's like it's very good it's i bet again. there's some good b-roll of the concierge just saying things into the phone just random things that there that's like 
back in back in DVD menu days where I was going to say always, that yeah there was always like at the the end credits or something like that there's always someone you know trying out random lines and see what works I bet there's a lot of those with that concierge in this episode I was yeah I was absolutely going to say that as like. You know, obviously we live in a digital age. Very few of us are buying DVD sets anymore, even if this were available. The thing I do miss is the commentary and sometimes the gag reels and the deleted scenes and things like that. As I wonder, you know, I hope anyway that the creators of the show understand that the love for the show would provide an outlet, whether it's digitally or or however, to watch that extra footage because we would eat it up. We would love it. This would be the rare show that in 2021, I would probably buy the season one DVD. Oh, I would 100%. I wish I could trade in old show box sets. Like I don't, (laughs) I I don't need the, I don't need Entourage anymore. I I just just don't. (laughs) My first box set DVD, this would have been a good question. My first like full series DVD set it is the it's the friends series and it's in a glass case. It's like a glass door with all of them on it and you have to physically open the door. It's still in my childhood bedroom because I don't know how to throw it away <laughs> because it's so nice. It's in this big case and like the Gilmore Girls set was made to be like those old cut out paper dolls and it was so nice and I think I just threw that away maybe a month ago. I mean they used to we, make this uh, so We we nice. have the Gilmore my my <gasps> wife has the Gilmore Girls set. So you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The whole like the it looks like a little suitcase and I haven't used those DVDs in years, and it took me until this year to throw it out because you just feel like it's so tangible. You don't want to let it go, but you're right. This is the only show, and I love a lot of shows. This is the only one that I would I would want a physical copy of. I would never want it to not be available to me. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I would probably buy it, especially if they had a bunch of the bonus. Fee. I mean, even if they were like, it's all the episodes, they're exactly the same, except we have full cut of Coach Beard singing Bad Romance. Yeah. Yes. You know what? I'll buy that. We deserve that, I think, as fans. We need that. We, we need, need that. that. <laughs> especially because especially because I think in like seven months, my Apple Plus subscription is going to run out, and I'm not sure I'm going to renew that. I know. That's the thing is like when I tell people to watch the show, and this is just commentary on media, I guess. And they're like, I don't have the, I don't have the service. I'm like, oh, just do the free trial. <laughs> you can knock it out in the free trial. But it's well, like- it's interesting to think. I wonder what things would have been like for this show if it had been on Netflix and everyone would have seen it. Because that's what would have happened. The the thing with Ted Lott, like the reason I was so late to it was because of Apple Plus. And I almost think that's been to the show's benefit because it's kept this momentum going for almost what it's been out for almost a year now. Yeah. That it's kept this momentum because so many people are kind of discovering it slowly when they, people who, like me, who get a new iPhone and suddenly they have Apple Plus and they can watch it or people finally being convinced and it's been this slow buildup instead of when things come out on Netflix, like when the last season of Stranger Things dropped on Netflix, it was like everyone was all about Stranger Things for two weeks and we forgot about it. Yeah, you know, and I think it's also just kind of a testament to Apple TV Plus, like, understanding what's valuable. It's just, but they also invest a lot in these shows. I mean, look at The Morning Show, also another example of just great TV. I think they have to have faith in these ideas to say that people will be willing to pay for the service just for that. I don't think other services have that much clout, necessarily. It's kind of like the thing today, um, or I guess by this time it'll be last week, uh, where part of the Olympics is going to be on Peacock, People are not going to subscribe. Most people are not going to subscribe to Peacock just to watch some of the, you know, some of the Olympics. Like the whole point of it has always been that it's been readily available to everybody. Um, And I think like 
this show more than any other on Apple TV, and they have tons of great shows. This show more than any other, I would pay for the subscription just to watch it. And yeah, I mean, that's probably that would probably be what keeps me subscribing to Apple Plus. Is yeah. if I don't, I'm going to lose access to Ted Lasso, and I can't lose that. I can't, I can't possibly bear that. <laughs> In my life. <laughs> we are so deep. We are so sunk into this. Like, I don't, it's one of those situations, you know, at weddings and stuff, which speaking of, you just got married again. I did. I married, um, married for the second time. Married same for the woman. Time. COVID yes. wedding. <laughs> I should have said that. Like, you got same woman. You just had at the post COVID wedding. But it's kind of like when, when people say, or even when you have a child, where it's like, I can't remember my life before you were in it. That's how I feel about this. Show. I can't remember my life without this TV show. <laughs> well, what was life like before Ted Lasso? Oh, I remember we were in the middle of a pandemic, and I had just been laid off from a job, and <laughs> things were very miserable. And then Ted brought you out of the darkness. He, I'm telling you, I went on a Twitter rant about it the other day because if there's anything I love, it's a good rant. And and I know it's a little Pollyanna. Like I'm kind of an eternal optimist. But that's part of it, is I was like, this show came to us at a time where a lot of us were in very desperate situations, not just because of the pandemic at its core, which is the, a threat to public health, but what the pandemic did to parents, what it did to people in their jobs, what it did to the, just the security of your life. Um, and I think a lot of people who have latched onto the show did it at a time where it's like, we all needed to reassess how we appreciated our lives and how we appreciated the people in them. And I, I mean, I, I don't want to say this show wouldn't have been as popular if it came out five years ago. I don't want to say that because it's still a good show. But I think my big point was this has less to, to do with the show, less to do with the character, more to do with who we are as a society where somebody being kind for the sake of being kind has just leveled us. We don't understand it because we are so used to either being the agitators or the defenders or even the mediators and it's exhausting and to watch people just be nice <laughs> it's like this show definitely would not have made a blip like 50 years ago you know what i mean yeah well that's so we've been doing this rewatch on sunday nights and every sunday especially if it's been like a hard weekend or even if it was it was after our wedding weekend and we were coming home and we were coming off this big high but there's always you know the fall after that big high of like oh that's a bummer it's over but it's like we get to watch ted tonight and there are plenty of shows that are pick me up feel good shows um sure. i think of like um like for us it's the great british baking show or queer eye where it's or like this, game it's of thrones to, or like game of thrones <laughs> yeah the, you pick, pick the right episode, you'll get a nice pick-me-up. But like <laughs> shows like that that are supposed to be happy-go-lucky pick-me-up, the end of every Queer Eye episode is supposed to inspire you and possibly make you cry and stuff like that. Yeah. Ted Lasso isn't quite like it's – not, it's not a show that was made for the sake of it's going to make you feel the warm fuzzies every single episode, but it's a yeah. show that brings you genuine optimism that doesn't come off as phony and just quality human interaction and people – talking to people and treating people like people should be communicating in the real world. And especially when you're locked inside in a pandemic, you're missing that. And even now with things kind of opened up, it's like a, it's a look into how things should be in a way. And it's that that's uplifting. It's not that we get the warm fuzzies out for every, you know, we watched Ted get signed his divorce papers this episode, but it makes you feel good because of the, the human interaction that you're seeing. And it, it's, it's really special. And I think that's why it's connected with so many people. Yeah. I think a show that makes you feel seen for any reason where you see, a, you see something that is reflected in your own life that you're like, I, 
know exactly how that person feels or I know exactly what they've been through or even I've watched a person go through that. We're used to, you know, this idea of suspended disbelief where we can, you know, it's kind of like the idea of like the old uh, multi-camera sitcoms, right? So we buy into the laugh track and just the fact that we know it's fake, we know it's fake, we know it's fake. And then you have in the late 90s, early 2000s, you have this shift to reality TV, you have this shift away from laugh track shows, you go to like single camera sitcoms, like Arrested Development, things like that, where it's still comedy, it's still entertaining, but you don't have this reassurance, you don't have a live audience or even the track telling you when to laugh. And I think we're just, we're constantly seeing the evolution of television and movies, but more so in television, because it's always, television was always meant to be less serious, right? It was always the campier version. It was soap operas. It was reality shows. It was this and that. And I think to see a show done so well, where you can clearly tell it's polished, where there's still the suspension of disbelief, but you can see yourself in it, or you can see your friend or your kid or your parent in it. I mean, it's powerful to people. People need to see that they're not alone. And if they can see that in a, in a piece of art, whether it's a show or a book or, or a piece of music or whatever, I think that's powerful. It's the stuff that connects us. It's very well said. Uh, and it's something, if you just pull it back into what worked about this one, it, it's a great friendship show too. You get in this one, Rebecca Keeley, Rebecca Sassy. Uh, there's some great Ted and Beard moments in this one. Um, when they, they get their room numbers, the howdy neighbor. Oh, my they're, God. They're right next to each other. Adorable. Uh, talking to, love the Iron Giant for movie night. I actually have something that didn't work about this one, though, that we okay. haven't talked about yet. Was it the divorce papers? <laughs> <laughs> so Rebecca is one of the richest women in Great Britain. She's yeah. very famous. She's very attractive. I'm not I'm not shaming anyone for their profession. Can she can she like get away with sleeping with a waiter? Like I feel like hmm. I feel like I don't know how TMZ is over there like that, you know, British town. I feel like I mean it's rabid. She, yeah, I feel it's like she ha- I feel like she'd have to be more discreet. Yeah, I think the way it came about, the whole like just staring at him in a restaurant. The thing is like she's being watched even closer, not just for being famous, but because of the divorce and because of everything else. But I do think the fact that they were away, like she couldn't get away with that, you know, back home. But I think like going to Liverpool, the whole idea that this is a getaway weekend where we're not necessarily being watched as closely as we are back home, that might have something to do with it. But I agree. I mean, you can't, somebody with that kind of profile someone's going to see, someone's going to notice and like put it in the paper the next day. Um, but you would hope they would not. She deserves a little, you know, Rebecca needs, she needs her groove back. So. It just seems like it, it's strange that a, a gorgeous, ultra rich divorcee is, is having to resort to picking up the, the waiter at the hotel though. Oh, I don't think she's having to resort to it though. I think it is less about having to resort. I think she could have any man she wanted. The point is she felt in the beginning like, you know, an older woman, a divorcee, she feels like a joke at this point. Sassy makes the comment in the beginning about the waiter, like, ah, he's looking at you. And she's like, oh, don't be silly. I don't think it was about the waiter. It wasn't about she needed to have sex. It was, I can still pull him. (laughs) It's a a still got it moment. It's a still got it moment. That's all it is. And you can tell, I mean, 
next episode is when we have the moment where she's like, why are you in my room? Get out of here. But I think that's the importance of that moment more than just, oh, Rebecca finally got some. She could get some wherever she wanted. That wasn't the issue. She needed to know that she was worthy of a lot of things. And I think just something that small, like, yeah, you can pull a guy who's significantly younger than you because you know what? Men do it all the time. (laughs) And there's no reason why a woman can't do it as well. Well, happy for Rebecca. In of this course, one. we love Rebecca. Best head moment. <laughs> Best head moment in this one. There's three. There's something we haven't talked about at all. The quote he gives about the loss of Jamie, that like the loss of him is going to hit him harder than anything that happens on a patch of grass. Like what a deep Ted thing to say about a guy who was really problematic while he was there. But it's it's a hallmark of Ted Lasso caring about his players. And then Another great Ted moment is, I don't know if my standard for humans is just so low, but a really great apology to Nate. Just a genuine, yeah, straight up honest and make any excuses for his behavior, just apologize, which I feel like is rare. It is. And I think, we again, we go back to the bar being on the ground for what we expect out of people because, you know, the truth is like, and I don't. We all do it to some extent. That's what that was really my point earlier about victims so much. I hate using that word because it can be so misconstrued. Um, what I what I mean though is to say that we can play multiple parts at once, and it's easy for us to say, "But I'm a good person. I know I did this bad thing, but I'm a good person. So let me fall back on that and say, "Well, you know, I just had a bad moment or so." You know, I mean, it's it's easy for us to do that because we don't. He mean didn't any make harm. the apology about him. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that was the whole point is like focusing it on the other person and focusing it on their pain and what you inflicted on them. That's the important part of it. Like, of course, Ted Lasso is great at apologizing. Why yeah, wouldn't he? Yeah, of course. Be? Ted Lasso's great at everything. Great at everything, <laughs> Alex. This episode for best supporting character is just all of them just throwing haymakers. How do you do it? I don't know how you... I mean, I, you could say sassy just for, like, new edition, and we know she's in the next season, or at least they've been teasing it like she is. So... Sassy coming in hot in this one, but you give, you know, Nate with that great speech. Yeah, Nate uh, gets the award. Brett with a little... Or uh, Brett Goldstein. Roy with a... You know, he's got some moments. He's got the moment with the speech. He tears up the bench. He's got some moments with Keeley. Uh, Coach Beard with some good moments, the singing bad romance, you know, tearing <laughs> up during the this. Iron Giant. I, I love the bad. I mean, I'm I'm not going to stop until I get full full video of that. I, I will say, <laughs> can it be anyone but Rebecca if we're considering Rebecca's supporting character? Although she's, mean, she's pretty much a main in this episode. Yeah, she's a main in the episode, and that's the only reason I would argue against it, just because it's hard to say who's supporting and who's leading at this point. Um, even though, of course, the show is about Ted, it's the show doesn't work without the entire cast, you know, like they, you have to have the team for it to work. He couldn't do it on his own or else the commercials would have been this viral, crazy success. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have this one-off success of that. Um, yeah, obviously I'm going to say like Rebecca was incredible, but I, I do think Nate had his moment. I think Keely was great as always, but I think Sassy, like, she's not done. And you could tell she's not done. And if she is done... She's clearly not done. What a waste if she is done. Because to bring in someone who just, exactly like you said, comes in hot, like, she's not holding anything back. And she was Rebecca's best friend forever. I don't think we're... We have not seen the last of her. It also opens the door for a Ted Lasso stepdad. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, chew on that one for a little bit. I don't even... Ugh. 
I mean, not that that's a bad thing at all. It's just I, I'm thinking about season two because I have no idea how it's going to hit us. <laughs> so I'm like already getting kind of anxious about it. I'm like, man, because, you know, I mean, with how fast the divorce papers went, his son might be getting a stepdad. This might be a whole blended oh, I know. Yeah. Brady Bunch situation. Oof. Not not ready for it. So yeah, I think we can give the Lenny Harris pinch hitter award to ev- just to everyone. It's a cast everyone. award. It's like a, a SAG cast award. Yes. Uh, the big chill couple moments in this one that give me the chills. Uh, anyone singing "Let It Go Well" gives me the chills. Um, Nate talking to Roy gives me the chills. Ted signing his divorce papers, like that kind of deep emotional guttural chill. And then Ted's text to Rebecca. There's a lot of emotional moments in this one. Yeah, I think. You know, the Celeste song, Strange, oh, first of all, it's such wonderful. a perfect song. Also, side note, um, if you are a fan, even if you're not, I don't care if you're a fan or not, you should be. Paul Janeway from St. Paul the Broken Bones does a cover of this song, Strange. Just Google Paul Janeway, Strange. Uh, he's been doing these covers during COVID, and it's absolutely incredible. And if you don't know who St. Paul and the Broken Bones are, you should. They're from Birmingham, Alabama, and they're incredible. Um, sorry, they don't pay me or anything. I just, <laughs> I just really like Shout them. them out. Shout them out. Shout out, St. Paul. But, I mean, he does an incredible job on that song. And the whole point of the song, if you read the lyrics, is like, isn't it strange how we can go from friends to lovers to strangers? And that's life right and and it really sums up the whole episode and it's not just romantic think about the closest people in your life your whole life not just right now think about the best friend you had when you were five years old think about your first girlfriend or boyfriend that you thought was the love of your life and that if you ever lost him your everything was over and how like you don't even know these people now (laughs) how you can go from being the closest person to this other person and then now you're strangers and that's that's just the life experience and the way they chose the music for the show is so brilliant and so to me like i don't know can we count that song as the just that whole montage as the let's count it this is your podcast let's count it it is not mine (laughs) you you let me hijack it is what has happened i bet you're excited to get it back when this is all over oh absolutely not we still have to do the Hot Rod episode, though. Oh, but, oh for sure. For <laughs> but, sure. But I think that whole montage really sums up the point of this, which is saying, like, relationships, friendships, any sort of connection you have with another human being is work. And it doesn't always have to be hard work. It doesn't always have to be upsetting or, or sad. But, like, it's not granted and it's not guaranteed. And just because somebody has your back one day doesn't mean they're going to always be there for you if you abandon them. It's powerful. It is. It is. So what do you think? Like 3.7 biscuits for this one? Yeah, like one. (laughs) What did we do last week? What did I say? Like 12? 12, yeah. Some baker's baker's (laughs) dozen biscuits. Oh, did you see actually that it wasn't, it didn't happen this week. I do want to make this point to the listeners though. So there was this big link going around about this is probably what the biscuit recipe is. And people shared that around and it was fine. Someone actually figured out what the actual recipe is. So if you see he's reading a book, like he's looking at a cookbook when he's making it, and Apple had done this thing where they had like teased the recipe by showing just the top half of it, and this blogger like searched those ingredients and found that book, and I looked at it, it's the same page that he's reading from. So like the actual recipe has been found. Yes, I'm... 
I'm looking now. Uh, first line reads one half cups slash three forty grams cold unsalted butter cut into half inch pieces, plus more for greasing pan. Yes. Um, and that's yeah, the real no, one. That's the it's one he's there. reading from. So it's it exists, there. folks. It's there. Yeah, and Alex is going to make biscuits for all of our listeners at the that's at the recaps. So... That's exactly what she told me. Except for the British listener, because the shipping will be ungodly. Oh yeah. Yeah, Our again, shout out listener. to him. We we didn't we didn't shout him out during the episode. Shout out to him. Uh, we appreciate him, Alex. I appreciate you. Tell the folks again where they can find you on social media. Check out your other podcast. Sure, you can follow me at Alex McDaniel on all platforms, and I also do a podcast called Ain't Slade. And in two weeks, I will be at For the Win. So please follow us there because it's going to be fun it is it is and if you enjoyed this episode of the big screen sports ted lasso rewatch subscribe wherever you get your podcast rate leave a review on apple Podcasts. we're going to be back with episode eight next monday episodes of the show come out every single monday again if you're a baseball fan check out from phenom to the farm my interview series prevented presented by baseball america tomorrow releasing a great episode on bad bus rides that'll be fun for me and alex we'll catch you next monday thanks for listening whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.